Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M I P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Last week, I asked my regular Thursday guest folks if he would be interested in running for or being appointed to the Senate, I should say, appointed to the Senate in California. What a nightmare. <laughs> uh, he said uh, no. Uh, so that means we'll have him a while longer here on our weekly segment. Thursday Coast here once again, the founder of Daily Coast and of Civics with a Q, Marcos Melitsis. How are you, buddy? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm looking at my window, man. I just have to say this. You know, it just started snowing here in New York. I'm just so oh. sorry. Oh, on. nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So here we are with the snow. You don't have to worry about that where you are. No uh, snow here. <laughs> so, um, is the Supreme Court rejects Trump's uh, team's request to throw out Pennsylvania? Is this thing, because they've been saying Supreme Court, and I've been a little nervous. I'm like, what do they know? What do Man. they have with their sleeve that we don't know about? Uh, and somebody even said, remember, that's why they appointed Amy Covid Barrett. Um, but is is this... Is this it? I mean, is there's nothing else? What else can there be? Uh, it's it's been it for a while now, right? I mean, this is this is I, I've been I've been really trying to figure out what the heck the game is here. So a couple of things. One, right, is clearly he's running for he's running again in 2024. He thinks he's running again. He might be dead. He might be in prison. Who knows, right? You know, he's so unhealthy and older. Um. So there's there's um, a lot can happen between now and four years, but he thinks he's running again. So this is a way to keep people motivated. You know, he can claim he kept fighting for them. Um, you can have that fiction. So there is a lot of this that's performative. Then the fact that they've raised over two hundred million dollars in what four weeks? In four weeks, 
sort of shows that the grift is strong. Trump has a $400 million bill coming due in two years. Does anybody think that he just won't steal that from his campaign funds and, and the RNC if he wants to? I mean, clearly he's going to do what he wants to do. I mean, heck, his supporters may pay it. He may raise that money out of his dumbasses. Um, you know, he might grift it. So the grift is strong. And the second he concedes, that money's cut off. So clearly there's a performative component to this. And we all know that if nothing else, Trump knows how to perform. I mean, that is his superpower. So for a while I thought, because the lawsuits weren't real lawsuits. I mean, they were, they were, they were laughably idiotic. And so a lot of it seemed like, okay, he's just going through the motions. Because what ends up happening, they file a, and I've been watching right-wing media. They'll file the lawsuit. The filing will get a ton of attention. But then they ignore it when it gets thrown out a couple of days later. Mm -hmm. So if you're consuming conservative media, you think that it's just like lawsuit, lawsuit. You know, Jenna Ellis is releasing the Kraken. They're not really tracking the fact that they're all getting thrown out almost immediately. And in fact, I <laughs> I went to uh, Breitbart this morning. I didn't even see news about the Supreme Court um, tossing out the the case in, in Pennsylvania. So now they may later. Who knows? Right. But. They're not, it's not like it's top of the fold. The initial lawsuit, top of the fold, right? Big news. If they cover the rejection at all, it's going to be sort of kind of hidden away. So I thought, okay, this is all performative and, and this isn't a serious effort. He's just doing it for the grift and whatever. It's if his people are stupid enough to send him money, that's, that's their problem, not my problem. But the thing that gives me pause, Mark, is how. Uh, he's been calling these state legislators in places like Pennsylvania demanding that they that they throw out the election results and appoint electors to him. So he there's part of him and maybe all of him that is actually thinks he should be president despite the results of the election. And that part is is scary. And it's even scarier that very few Republicans have called it out and said this is undemocratic. Uh, this is despotic behavior, and America is a democratic nation. We're proud of our democracy. We're proud of peaceful transfers of power, and we're not going to abide by that. And not a, other than what Mitt Romney, how many re elected Republicans who um, who aren't retiring? So like a Pat Toomey, he, he's he's out, right? He, he's he's quitting politics. He doesn't give a crap what people think. But how many of them that that need to run for re-election in two years or even four years have said this has to stop in Congress. And I don't think any of them. No. I mean, Susan Collins just got re-elected. She's got six years. So her, um, did Murkowski, maybe Murkowski, um, maybe. I don't, I don't, it, it doesn't stand out if she has. So, but Mitt Romney may be the only one <laughs> of, of anybody who actually is facing re-election in, in within four years. Who from the beginning was un uh, unabashedly, you know, said, and it, it's ironic, Mark, because we were we were talking when Mitt Romney ran for president, right? And we thought he was like the dredges, and <laughs> like he'd be the worst. He <laughs> pretty hard on Mitt Romney, <laughs> and deservedly so. I'm not apologizing for it. In fact, I think you coined the the new term in, in our language, in the English language. Ass hat 
<laughs> it wasn't me, but it was Daily Coast. It came out okay, of Daily yeah, Coast. Okay. Right, right, right. That's right. That was Mitt Romney era. And, yeah. and and I don't apologize for any of that. You know, we everything we said was true. But yeah. when Mitt Romney ends up being like the reasonable wing of the Republican Party, and it's a wing of two people, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the part that's really sort of distressing is that that Republicans are willing to throw away our well-earned um, reputation as a Democrat, as a sort of an idealized Democratic nation, because they're so afraid of Donald Trump and his temper tantrum and his and his need. So, again, at first I thought maybe it was performative and it was just about the grift and that doesn't excuse it, but at least it has a certain logic to it. But yeah. now that 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 he's been calling state legislators in places like Pennsylvania demanding in Arizona that that they overturn the will of the voter and give him the electoral votes anyway, is is beyond the pale. Yeah, they're not going to do that though, are they? No, they're they're not, and they're not even allowed to. It, it violates state <laughs> law. I mean, state law in those states very clearly. I mean, state legislate. Tours, legislators can determine how you apportion the electors, but they pass laws detailing that process. And in all of these states, like in Pennsylvania, the law is whoever wins the most votes <laughs> gets the electors. That's state law. If they wanted to change that, they would have to pass a new law. And there's a, and first of all, even I don't think that they would go that far. It's easy when you're in the Senate and it doesn't matter to like, you know, Donald, you know, if you're Ted Cruz or Lindsey Graham. The other thing, if you actually have to cast that vote, that would actually undermine American democracy. And this is why you see, you know, the governors, Republican governors in Arizona and Georgia, even though they're Trumpy as all heck. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they may be two of the three most Trumpy governors in all of America. The only other one is is George is uh, is Abbott in Texas, right? Uh, DeSantis in Florida. Like two of the four most Trumpiest Republicans are saying, like, no, we can, there's nothing we can do because there's literally nothing we can do. And uh, they're not about to become the people who, who destroy American democracy. And so it's easy to, to talk a big game if you're Lindsey Graham. It's another thing if you actually <laughs> have to vote to undermine that democracy. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the governor in Pennsylvania is, is a Democrat anyway. right? So it's, it's, it would not happen in any scenario. Same thing in, in Michigan. Like you'd have to pass a new law and it's not going to happen. And they're not even trying because they know it, the game's up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if they were going to pass one, they would have had probably have had to have done it by now. Um, just for yeah. clarity. True. I, I doubt Mitt Romney will grant, will grant you or me an audience ever uh, in life. We were pretty. We, were pretty we haven't. <laughs> no, we haven't earned it. <laughs> we, we were pretty rough on that dude. And I can't tell them like, you know, you guys call me an asshat. Uh, yes, we did every week. Um, but you said something interesting, Marcos. You said that the minute he concedes, the money spigot is turned off. So shall I infer from that that the money that they're raising now is under the auspices of the campaign and the FEC and all that? Yes. Ah, yes. that's interesting. Yeah, but see, what they did, they've been raising money to to fight, you know, to fight the stealing of the election, right? Right. But from the beginning, the 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 the, the fine print said half of this money is going to go to general campaign expenses. Then about a week later, that number was bumped up to 75%. 
And I haven't looked since, but I wouldn't doubt it if it's now. <laughs> it's We can spend the money however we want. Yeah. And yeah. you're not supposed to profit from that, right? So, so technically, Trump really couldn't take those hundreds of millions of dollars and use it to pay off his real estate debt. But does anybody really think that Trump is going to follow that law when he's followed zero laws? And so he, he pilfers his campaign, you know, um, treasury, $400 million, pays off Deutsche's Bank or whoever he owes that money to. We don't even know. The Russian mafia. And uh, and then what? The FEC is going to write a sternly worded letter. Uh Somebody's who's going to sue. I don't even know who has standing to sue to say that that Trump can't take that money and the FEC can't do anything more than than slap a fine. And it's 50 50 Democrats, Republicans. It's going to deadlock anyway, because Republicans will cover for Trump. And and so he can literally use that money for whatever the frick he wants, as far as as he's concerned, I'm sure. And, And I don't see a mechanism to hold him accountable when we could even enforce uh, his, um, you know, constitutional prohibit pro- prohibition from profiting from the office right i mean the yeah. the in um the what the clause the um shit the name escapes me now because it was utterly yeah molly yeah because it was utterly worthless yeah there's no way to to enforce it and so um the grift is is strong that money makes you know ensures for sure that the republican party doesn't go anywhere <laughs> that doesn't include Donald Trump. I mean, he is the undisputed leader of that party. And so uh, once Biden takes office, I fully expect that 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 uh, it's not going to it's not going to keep going as strong as it is now where there's a fiction that Trump may still win. But I don't doubt that it's going to keep raising money. I mean, if nothing else, Republicans, conservatives know how to fleece their own. They've been they've learned to do this over years. So. So literally, but if he does not concede at all, he, he won't. Yeah. But so on that, based upon not conceding, he can continue to raise money into that treasury. Infinitely, he can just keep going for the next two or four years. Presumably. Yeah, I mean, even if even if he concedes, he can still keep raising that money. I mean, the concession has nothing to do with the, the legality of having a campaign account. It just makes it easier for him to. I'm fighting for you, right? I'll never back down from those liberals. I'll never admit that 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 their stolen elections legitimate, right? I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be their line. Um, and you know, you know what I was I was thinking, and I was gonna write this up, and I've been I've been too lazy because it's tired. I'm tired, and it's holiday season. But yeah. um, the House can vote to determine who its who its members are. So if if Democrats play the same BS anti-democratic game as Republicans are right now, Nancy Pelosi could literally say, "Devin Nunes, you're not coming in," and uh, Jim Jordan, you're not you're not coming back. You're you're a pedophile. You're you 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 know or you know you're allowed for uh, the molestation of your wrestling team. And uh, I mean, you they literally could exclude these people from the U.S. House right? if you wanted to play this BS game. And I wouldn't, I don't want to go there because this is America and we are a democracy, but part of me kind of wishes that we'd say back off or, you know what, we're going to play this game too. Yeah. I just think it's too dangerous for American democracy to, to play that game. But I mean, it, it is absolutely infuriating 
this idea that that all those people were elected fairly except the one, except Donald Trump. He's the only one that wasn't elected fairly. Hey, come on. And right. So before we leave the issue of the court and the challenge and everything, um, you mentioned Jenna Ellis or whatever her name is. Um, so has e any of your research reporting or daily coasts or civics research and reporting been able to determine whether you can get, cause she has COVID now, whether you can get COVID from farts. <laughs> you know, Giuliani farted on her. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest here. <laughs> Have you been able to investigate that at all? There, there was literally a headline um, <laughs> that said, "Can you get COVID from farts?" And I'm gonna admit, I did not click on it. I was like, "I'm, I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too much for me. I have all these other things I'd rather read that, than that one. And and I should have clicked it because I just should have just found the answer. And, and But I, I did you click on this story? Did you read that? No, I didn't. <laughs> so I, have, I, I have been researching. I've been trying to, I can't get an answer. I see a lot of memes. But There's I a story. There's a, if you if you Google, can you get COVID from farts? It was, and it was a, it was a pretty. It was either the New York Times or the Washington Post. It was like one of the. It was a, a legit news organization. It was oh, a, okay. So yeah. what? Miracle. It was a real thing. Okay. It was a real thing, and I just, I just could not bring myself to click. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So Democrats, some of them, uh, including Elizabeth Warren. Um, are saying that they will not vote to give Lloyd Austin a waiver. Yeah. What what are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I I agree and and this has nothing to do with Austin's qualifications, individual qualifications as a general as a military man. Clearly he is, you know, quite accomplished and all that. I didn't like I don't like the idea of of military people running the Pentagon. There's there's been a long tradition of civilian oversight of the Pentagon and Donald Trump eroded that. And it's one thing for him to bust those norms. Uh, I don't even think that waivers should matter. I think if you if you were if you're a you know um career military person you shouldn't you shouldn't ever get the chance to run the Pentagon. Um there's a lot of other agencies that they could run. Um Pentagon shouldn't be one of them. And um I'm bothered by a couple of reasons. One is sort of that tradition of civilian oversight and um, right. this notion that that had putting a military person to it's, you know, it's a, it's a fox guarding the hen house, right? I mean, particularly if you have to make tough decisions on, on how to reorient the military or, you know, deal with budget issues, it shouldn't be somebody who's in there has their own networks and buddies and everything else. Uh, I think it just skews um, incentives. And, and second of all, I think almost every Democrat voted against the waiver for Mathis. And now we're seeing the kind of hypocrisy I've always hated from the right. I'm seeing on the left saying like, yeah, I voted against it for Mathis. And I, uh, I think it was white house. One of those guys, senators said like, who at the time even said, I will ever vote for a waiver for anybody. And I don't care who you put up. And now they're like, Oh, well, no, things are different. Now let's come up with different, you know, Mitch McConnell ways of justifying it. It's a total all BS. And, 
And uh, so the uh, non-hypocritical um, way for Democrats to handle this is to not vote for the waiver because that's they didn't vote for the math. Most most of them did not vote for the Mathis waiver. Um, so anybody who does vote for this waiver is a hypocrite. And in any case, really, there's there's no need for it. And it's not. I mean, um, I I know by you know by by nominating a black ex-general sort of you know sort of kind of protects himself in a little bit because oh you can't vote against the, the black guy right but we have <laughs> there are people who are not white men in the in the national security apparatus that are civilians that could fit that role uh and i wish that's where this would end up so i'm kind of hoping that republicans vote against the waiver this has to go through the house so this is this is different than than a typical nomination. This has to go through the House. Uh, if Republicans want to be at, you know a holes, they can vote against the waiver, and all you need is a couple of Democrats to join them, and boom. Yeah, because that majority now it's small. Yeah, um, the tech I kind of take on it, and I hear the concerns about the waiver. Um, I'm probably somewhat dispassionate about it, although I agree you want civilian representation. I look at it from a different lens because there have been specific demands of Biden in certain agencies when it comes to the African-American community, particularly um, um, HHS and agriculture. And agriculture is a big deal. We'll get to that in a minute. He's he's not listening. So by saying, OK, well, I'm going to pick an African-American to run the Pentagon the first ever yet. Um, you you nominate one that is problematic, and if he does not pass, if he doesn't make it through, if the waiver isn't waived, <laughs> then you can say, "Ah, oh, well, at least I did pick one," you know. And and so, and that's that's kind of Clintonish triangulation politics to me, Lana Guinier. No, no, it's 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 a little it's it's icky, yeah. right? I mean, it, it and it's unnecessary, right? I mean, don't don't we don't want just you don't want you to say, well, you picked a black dude and then he doesn't have a chance, and there's the controversy around it. Right, Nobody right. asked for that. The specific request there wasn't. I don't think there was a specific request from even the civil rights groups. We want Lloyd Austin, it's right? Right. We want Marsha Fudge. Yeah. So, what was that? Yeah. Did so he, did he? Pick Vilsack? Is that who ended up in agriculture? Vilsack, who was there for eight years, oh. is going back. I mean, I don't understand Why? that. I mean, if, if if no one else is going back, and what did Vilsack do that was so great? Nothing. And, and, and Iowa's freaking gone. Iowa's gone. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. So nobody can quite make sense out of that. Um, uh, and frankly, it's pissed some people off. I mean, when you have Clyburn mad at biden that's oh he is pretty okay. bad i missed that good oh yeah yeah he you know over fudge or over the over over fudge. Yeah. over fudge you know so i don't know whether he thinks austin and i haven't heard i haven't heard anybody you know um jump up and down about lloyd austin either way i mean people are like okay but i've not heard a lot of passion around him the issue was marsha fudge um and it was very specific in terms of agriculture Agriculture does more than most people realize. And I'm learning more about the influence agriculture has, even when it comes to SNAP and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So 
Um, it's it's so fixed traditionally fixated on the farm side as opposed to the the people right, receiving right. the right. food stamp side, the SNAP side, the right. uh, school lunches, that that side of things. And quite frankly, that's the part that impacts most people. So why wouldn't you have a secretary that understands that side of the equation and can better speak to that as opposed to a bunch of farmers who are, who uh, it's mostly agribusiness. Yeah. Uh, if we want to play sort of um, just crass politics, they're all Republicans. So, you know, uh, you don't ignore them. You need, well, you know, food supplies, but you also don't um, exclusively, they already have more clout, more influence in our political system than almost any other people just because worldwide agricultural states ha- mm-hmm. are overrepresented in the U.S. Senate and in the Electoral College as well. So, um, that to me is actually kind of infuriating. In Vilsack, <laughs> what the hell? Of all people? Of all people, Vilsack. But even, uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't know the national security sort of world and, and, you know, how many people are there. But, you know, you could have an Eric Holder run the Pentagon, right? There's nothing stopping. In fact, there is a certain attractiveness to having somebody who's a competent, smart person coming in without those preconceived notions and can look at the budget, can look at the at the organization of the Pentagon from a clear eye as opposed to coming in with sort of preconceived notions and biases and that sort of thing. So um I would have I would have loved somebody who can really shake up the Pentagon because quite frankly that budget is absolutely ridiculous and it needs um it needs reform. And if it can't happen because of Congress um, administratively, you'd, maybe you'd want somebody yeah. who can actually ruffle some feathers. And yeah, it's the famous military-industrial complex. We all get it, right? I mean, it's it was the bane of even Dwight Eisenhower from the very beginning. Right, right, right. Well, just while we're sitting here, I'm literally being talking. I'm literally being texted by the uh, African American uh, career civil service in the Department of Agriculture. Mm-hmm. asking me, Mark, we need an email for Biden. I was like, well, I don't have his email. But <laughs> we'll see who we can find on the transition. I, I, don't, I don't have, I don't know. Maybe Simone yeah. Sanders. <laughs> but but we'll see who we can get. But, but I mean, people are not, people ain't feeling this um, hey, at all. I mean, are you, I know it's early and the announcement was just made yesterday, I guess. Um, I lose track of time. But um, can this be defeated or is there going to be, I mean, you only need, depending on, uh, I mean, no matter what happens in January in Georgia, you're going to, you're probably going to need, a, all you need is a couple of Democrats to say like, no, this is, this is ridiculous. And that's that. Yeah. Or do you have any sense if Democrats are just going to defer to Biden out of, out of respect? Well, if, if Marsha Fudge accepts Hood, they'll probably drop it. Uh, um, is. Yeah. And what? Um, granted, you know, you need somebody good at hood. Ben Carson has shown us that more than anyone before, and he's being sued right now. A black man is being sued as secretary of hood for hood discrimination. All right, for discriminating against this. That's real. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, are suing him right now, and that's not the first lawsuit. He will not enforce the 1968 Federal Housing Act. All right. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if, 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 if. Marsha Fudge's acceptance of the nomination is indication that the Black Caucus has has let it go. 
but but we'll just we'll just have to see. What are your thoughts about Attorney General? People talking about Doug Jones, possibly Sally Yates. People I'm, I'm a, Doug Jones because yeah, of Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland's the other one, right? The other name. Yeah, Merrick, that's right, Merrick Garland. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. No, Merrick Garland. Um. I don't get it. I mean, I guess it could be an F you to the Republicans, but that's not quite particularly motivating to me as a position as that, as important as that. Doug Jones, um, I think from a his, historical standpoint, he's, he's solid, right? He's, 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 he's been fighting a good fight forever and he did great work, uh, in Alabama. Uh, even, you know, his two years as senator, he, he was, he was, um, good. three years almost. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see there being some kind of reward for his service, uh, but I'm Sally Yates all the way. I, I, I want somebody who um, <laughs> uh, I suspect she would come out swinging from the, from the beginning. I mean, she's shown that she's a fighter. You know, she definitely got screwed over by, by the Trump administration and has a chip on her shoulder. And I'd love to see that in action. I'd love to see her. <laughs> be the one to deliver uh, karmic legal retribution to the GOP. So what do we mean by that? Do you mean that she should pursue uh, Trump and his family? And Yeah, I mean, for, for, <laughs> there's going to be so much to investigate in that administration. Uh, but even the Postal Service with the joy. I mean, he should be prosecuted for, for voter suppression. It was literally, literally what he did. And people are talking, Oh, we need the Senate cause we need to approve postal commissioners so we can fire him, fire him. No prosecute his ass. So I'm very much a proponent of the rule of law. So have somebody in there who will aggressively investigate wrongdoing in that administration. And there was so much of it that we already know and won't be constrained with his BS about, Oh, we got to move forward. We can't look back. Blah, blah. There has to be consequences for running the most corrupt uh, administration, probably in American history. And if there isn't, then there is, you know, there's no reason for the next Republican administration not to do the exact same thing all over again. So they have to pursue this stuff. And, and I'm not saying Doug Jones won't, I just like, I just from a, from a, um, and he may be great and he, he probably would be great. So it is not so much anti Doug Jones. I just feel, I get the sense that Sally H would be more aggressive in doing what needs to be done to hold people accountable for crimes against the United States. Mm-hmm. But Marcos, what about the understanding that the incoming administration never prosecutes the outgoing? Can we violate that gentleman's agreement protocol? Oh boy, norms and, and traditions and heavens! Like we we, you know, if there's one thing that we should do is we should respect norms and traditions when it deals with holding Trump accountable even as he refuses to concede an election and is trying to literally stage a coup. That's what we speak right now. Yeah. Um, there has to be consequences. And you know what? If Hillary Clinton had done anything wrong, she would have been prosecuted. Let's not pretend that, that, right. <laughs> that the only reason that Jeff Sessions and uh, Barr did not prosecute Hillary was because of some norm and tradition. I mean, they looked. 
Yeah. And Republicans had what a billion freaking hearings, and they couldn't find a single law. They couldn't even come close. To, they couldn't even pretend to find a law that she had violated. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, uh, meanwhile, DeJoy literally broke voting machines to try to keep people from voting. And the only reason it didn't work is because they were stupid enough to announce their plan beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Um, Georgia, what are your thoughts? So, we're, I think we're up to over a million now absentee ballot requests. Um, yeah. And I know you've been saying we should prepare for Republicans to turn out. But it, it seems to me the mixed message that the Republican base is getting, this is a sham, this is rigged, Georgia's no good, the governor, secretary of state are no good, why vote? I mean, it's kind of a mixed message. It's hard to tell people that your votes are not going to be counted, they're going to be thrown out, and then at the same time tell people to go vote. I mean, so. But, no, it's a bit of a conundrum for sure. And uh, um the 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 side that wins is going to be the side that suffers the least amount of um, drop off from the general election, mm-hmm. and so let's say Linwood, right? One of the one of the crazy Trump lawyers uh, filing, you know, those crazy lawsuits. He he said at a rally that that people shouldn't vote; they shouldn't reward uh, Loeffler and Purdue because they're not fighting for Trump. Of course, they're doing everything Trump asked them to do, right? But it's never going to be good enough for that crowd. Even if he turns off 1% of Republicans, that gets us 1% closer to to victory, right? And I'm fully expecting, I mean, we, we may get a pleasant surprise. Maybe the, the, the hidden deplorables don't turn out. And, uh, you know, this is the people that have only turned out for Donald Trump in 2016, 2020. They didn't turn out in 17, 18, or 19 when Democrats won governorships in places like Kentucky and Louisiana, right? So will these hidden deplorables turn out? Um, I hope not. I'm assuming they will, but maybe they don't. And maybe it's not, it's actually not that close, but we can't, uh, we definitely can't assume that. So every percent, every point that, that they, that they suppress and for sure they're suppressing their own vote is it gets us that much closer. And Mark, I was just seeing, we were looking at those stats that, um, yeah, 70,000 people who didn't vote in November have requested ballots and um, those are dispro- disproportionately people of color, disproportionately young people, because um, I'm sure chunk of them, there's about 25,000 Georgians who will turn uh, 18 in this like two month period between the general election and the runoff election. Right. So, and there's groups that are working really hard to turn those people out and get them activated. So um, the numbers look good sort of, you know, in the abstract, we don't have anything to compare it to. That's a problem. This has never happened before. Uh, this amount of early vote, this amount of interest and attention, and, you know, they're going to spend half a billion dollars in the state in these two months. So this is unprecedented territory, and and we don't know <laughs> if this is, you know, better than the general or not as good as the general. But so far... I don't see anything that gives rise of alarm. I think uh, our people are pretty engaged. And like I said, there's going to be a drop off. But, you know, for example, there's 60,000 people that voted for Joe Biden and David Perdue. Are these people going to turn out again? I mean, they were motivated to turn out to vote against Donald Trump. And maybe they were Republicans, but they're like, Trump is just too much. 
Are they going to come out and just turn out for David Perdue? I don't know. Mm. A Biden-Perdue voter? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. So there's all these questions, right? And we're not going to be able to answer them until after the election. Um, all I can say is that there is a very strong case to be made that that we are in better shape than they are, but there's nothing conclusive. And for sure, even in my sort of best case scenario, it's going to be a close election. So we got to fight for every single vote. I'm looking at the numbers. And by the way, we know they're closing early voting locations. There aren't as many open as there were for November. So that's another trick. That's a, so folks, don't think just because Secretary of State and the governor are certifying the election results that Biden won. Three, have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. He beat Trump three times. OK. Three different counts. They still are voter suppressors. All right. Mm -hmm. They're still going to do what they do. So let's not be naive about that in any way, shape or form. I'm looking at the numbers. Um, over half of the applications uh, to vote early have come from women. Um, over half have come from um, uh, whites. So do we have any idea which way white women went in November? And I, and I, and I'm, I shouldn't put you on the spot. I, I don't, I doubt you keep that math on top of your head, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't have, no. and remember exit polling is going to be adjusted over, yeah. you know, with over time. So we, it's actually still not even the most precise data. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I mean, what we know is that white women in the suburbs definitely went our way. We know this is what's good is that the early vote requests are heavily democratic. They were, remember, remember, Republicans voted day of. That was the pattern. Democrats voted early. I mean, it was it was like in Georgia, and and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but it was like eighty twenty. It was yeah. you know it was that kind of shift. So we are running. I, you know, like you said, about a million people have requested ballots. It was about one point two million at this point in in uh in November election. So it's running slightly behind the same point um back in October. Gotcha. There's gonna be drop off. I mean there's gonna be drop off. It, we know there's gonna be drop off. That kind of drop off, if we're only if we're down two hundred thousand votes, that's actually not bad. I think that's definitely, definitely uh not a bad place to be. Um and but a lot of those people may vote day up. Yeah, you know, they may be shifting. Maybe they don't trust the early vote because of all the shenanigans, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's also a possibility that more Republicans are shifting to early vote. Mm -hmm. We don't know because um, they didn't in October and they lost Georgia. So if I'm a Republican Party in Georgia, I'm actually starting to push early vote. Uh, no matter what Trump says, right? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push that. And so you see, there's there's so many different factors and. In that early vote data, it doesn't tell us party affiliation. Like that would be really helpful, <laughs> but, but it doesn't tell us party affiliation. So, but we know we know uh, the the youth vote's doing pretty well. We know the black vote is is not vote request for ballots. I mean, we got to be yeah, you know, yeah, uh, the request for ballots. Um, are looking, you know, we're not seeing a drop off. So there is a lot of of um, to be excited about, and and I'm still going to assume when you look at that white women requesting early, I'm going to assume that they're Democrats, just because that has been the pattern this entire cycle. 
And there's no reason for those white Democrats, women in, you know, in Atlanta and in Savannah and in the in the suburbs. I don't see why they would suddenly not vote by mail when it's so convenient and easy. So, um, yeah, it's probably that's probably good news. I mean, I'm and the other thing, Mark, you you know this, right, because this is the Republican playbook is if you're a, a rural voter. You don't have to worry about long lines. There's plenty of voting machines for you, yeah. right? It's 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 in the cities where they try to screw you by by limiting the number of voting machines and making you wait in line eight hours and whatnot. So again, if you're if you're a white Republican sitting out there in farm country, I mean, I think you're you're good. You don't need to worry about vote by mail. Um, you can just walk up on election day and vote if you're going to vote. So um, it's it's all it nothing. I see no alarm bells, but. I also say I don't see anything that says like this is a you know grand slam we're going to win this sucker. It, it looks it looks pretty. It looks hope I'm hopefully optimistic. It looks pretty good, but it's going to be close. I'm just going I'm assuming it's going to be close. The polling says it's going to be close. Um, in fact, there was a poll that had Warnock up five, and I'm like, nope, Warnock's not going to win by five. I mean, I guess maybe he'll win by five. I'd really be shocked if he won by five. It's going to be close. What what did you think of the debate between Warnock and Loeffler last week, the other night? What did you think about that? Um, Loeffler at least sh- showed up. I mean, David Perdue didn't even bother showing up. Um, yeah. I'm I'm really excited about the that Democratic ticket. I think that's an incredible. It's a very complimentary ticket. Um, it's it it's incredibly helpful having a black candidate. You know, in in the runoff, and and uh, Osof, you know, is not only sort of a viral candidate, right? Incredibly dynamic, but he's young too, and I think he appeals to younger voters in a way that we have a hard time appealing to because most of our candidates seem to be geriatric. <laughs> I mean, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and I love Warren, but you know, it's it's we weren't exactly a paragon of like youth and vigor, maybe bigger, not youth. And so having Osof, somebody who's who appeals to younger voters and, and I've been, you know, I've been talking to people who work on youth registration and outreach in Georgia. And actually, uh, one of the groups was was uh, was um, it was a group focused on the Asian American community. And they've been really working on, on young Asians. And she was telling me, you know, I thought maybe, you know, Warnock, Warnock, so he's he's like he's my guy. Right. Like I'm I'm. From day one, we were talking about Warnock before anybody thought Georgia was competitive, right? I mean, Warnock has been uh, the idea of him being the conscious of the Senate just like incredibly excites me. Um, I thought maybe Warnock's the guy who's getting everybody excited, and you know, with these young Asian, with these young voters. But nope, it's Osof, like the young white guy, is the is the guy who really is getting and talking to another group that's working on registering those newly. 18 year olds, you know, they weren't 18 in November, they're 18, they will be 18 by the, you know, January runoff election, um, predominantly black, mm-hmm. predominantly Latino, because young, you know, uh, that's where the growth is, is in this country. Again, it was Osof. It wasn't Warnock. You know, generationally, there's a divide there. Osof was the guy that they were excited about. And so um, I think it's, it's, it's a good, um, uh, it's a sort of really good combination. The only thing I wish is there was like a third person in a runoff that was a that was a black woman. You know, then it'd be like it'd be it'd be perfect, right? We'd have it all. 
but it, it's it's a good runoff ticket. And in the end, I think about half a billion dollars is literally going to be spent on TV. I, if you're in Georgia right now, I'm sure every single ad is worn out. You know, it's the four candidates. It has to be. I can't imagine what else would sort of sneak in. Um, but nobody's being convinced. Those ads, it's all really just a waste of money. Um, mm-hmm. And even the debates, no, no minds are being changed in the debates. This is really a core-based turnout election, and it's the party that works the hardest to turn out its voters. So uh, I'm going to do a pitch for Daily Coast. has partnered with uh, groups on the ground in Georgia, and it's dailycoast.com slash GOTV. Get out the vote, GOTV, dailycoast.com slash GOTV. And it, there you'll have, you can, you can, you can volunteer for the Warnock campaign, for the OSOF campaign, for the Georgia Democratic Party, for Stacey, Stacey Abrams' uh, fair fight, uh, for different groups that are on the ground targeting the, the Asian community, the Latino community. So we, we've sort of, we're not, we're not doing the work itself. We're saying, here's the great organizations in Georgia, like pick one. Some of them allow for texts. Uh, get out the vote. Some of them, you know, phone calls. You can um, you can write postcards. Although that cutoff may be this week to get to get the postcards in um, to have an impact because you know holiday mail service and whatnot, and people are going to be voting early anyway. So there's different ways you can be involved in Georgia, and so I urge everybody to just pick one because this is who's going to win. The, the 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 party that wins control the Senate. It's going to be the party that did the best GOTV, the most aggressive, energetic GOTV, and we can all be part of that. Yeah, DailyCoke.com/slash/GOTV. That sounds for get out the vote. Yep, see it. I'm looking at it right now. That's great. Good one stop shop, y'all, to help Georgia. We can't. Just be spectators in this. We can help. Everybody's got a little time. Ain't doing nothing. We all sitting at home. Can't go nowhere. All right. <laughs> but so, you know, we can help. And that's a um, and that's a great idea. Please, ma'am. Please, sir. Get in involved in that. Um, and um, in honor of, of Kelly Loeffler, who really only said the same thing over and over again. Radical leftists. I want to thank um, radical leftist Marcos, who's been my radical leftist guest for years, everything for radical. Yeah, leftist. you got these Bernie people, these DSA people going radical leftist Marcos. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, that's going to open up a whole another can of work. No, he's not. <laughs> they won't even get the joke. They'll light me up. What do you mean he's radical leftist? He's not a radical. <laughs> You're right about that. That's a good point. Uh, five of Thursday. Oh, oh, oh! Before I forget. Um, some of the latest civics numbers, uh, I, I had this headline up, um, are showing that uh, people trust um, uh, Biden more. Majority of Americans say Biden will handle pandemic better than Trump. That's a, a latest civics poll, too. So so that's good. That's good to know. And it, it expected. Um, correct. I mean, that's what. You know. I mean, yeah. of course, people would think that, right? Yeah, I actually think even yeah, uh, even Republicans believe that. Not majority of them, but um, it's pretty obvious to anybody who who is honest that. Um, I mean, for example, we don't we don't know what the distribution for the vaccine plan is because there is no plan, right? Trump just said the oh, military will do it. And the generals, the Joint Chiefs, are looking at each other like, 
wait, what? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Like, first of all, that's not our job. Uh, second of all, nobody's, apparently nobody had told them, so they weren't planning for it. And so there was this fear that they were going to be set up as scapegoats for any problems with distributing the vaccine, right? So the Biden transition team is trying to figure out, well, what's the plan? And the Trump people won't tell them because there is no plan. I mean, and so um, it's clear that the challenge is going to be, it's going to be an incredible challenge. I'm just, I'm just so glad that it's going to be, you know, a bunch of people who actually are competent and um, are science-based and, and actually want to save lives. Something that still to this day, we can't say about Trump as, Right. What we're about three thousand dead a day, nine eleven every day, and right. apparently they don't care. They don't care. I don't get it. He says Germany is doing worse than we are. <laughs> That's what he's tweeting. I guess he can't count. We also have the news that Operation Warp Speed had an opportunity to buy even more doses yeah. from Pfizer before anyone else didn't turn it down. So I mean, when you make those kind of decisions, you don't give a damn about people's lives, and you want them to die. You don't want people yeah. to live. I and, mean. Republicans are still defending it. Marco Rubio was saying, no, that was a smart decision because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> get 100 million more doses and then get 100 more million from the other guys as well. And any new company that comes in. And if you have too much vaccine, that's okay. There's plenty of world to sell it to. Yeah, we don't want to have we don't want to make sure we don't have too many, too much. Yeah, vaccine. God forbid we have we're fully saturated with vaccines and we can get everybody vaccinated quicker because we don't want everybody to get well really uh, uh my god the, the, they that party i mean it just needs to burn to the ground it needs to rot and the best hope we have of that is that these hidden deplorables just don't turn out in 2022 and then we win back house is going to be tough because they're going to redistrict it we lost that battle this year and that's going to that's going to kill us um on the plus side the suburbs are still the swing territory. They're trending in our direction. So it's going to be hard for them to draw maps that uh, are as gerrymandered as they were before. Because before, remember, we all, you know, the Democratic centers were urban urban centers, right? So if you're in Texas, you can easily draw the, the you know, 10 districts, you know, with Austin right in the middle. And so you would dilute that Democratic strength in Austin. You did the same thing in Houston, same thing in Dallas. When the suburbs around are blue, that gets harder. And when the excerpts are becoming pinkish, that becomes also a little challenging. There's a thing called a dummy mander. I don't know if you've ever heard of the dummy mander. Dummy mander. No. The dummy mander is when you try to maximize the number of seats in in, in in that you draw by making some of those your your some. So if you're a Republican, you, you draw a lot of like 55, 45 districts, 55, 45. But you're assuming that trends won't change. So what happened, the reason Democrats won big is because there's so much dummy mandering happening in the country. Texas was a big case of that, that when the suburbs flipped, some of those 55, 45 Republican seats uh, suddenly became Democratic ones. You saw this in Atlanta area too. Uh, Lucy McBath, you know, now holds a seat. That was a dummy mander. Right. So there is a chance if you're starting to use the excerpts as your, um, as your sort of base, because Rural areas are empty, right? So you need massive Republicans. So the excerpts right now are sort of that 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 massive of conservative vote, but it's it's turning pinkish. 
even the exurbs because you know people are being priced out of the suburbs now and they're definitely priced out of the urban area so they keep getting pushed out right and service workers get pushed out and service workers are predominantly low wage you know people of color and uh in education becomes another factor right so as those areas become less i mean I, they're going to be republican but if they become less republican that you know you have a chance if you're drawing a lot of 55 45 districts using those excerpts those can actually flip even if you just have a little bit of a of a change in those in those regions yeah. okay. so it, it's the map making it's gonna be a little tougher but they're, they're still gonna get to draw most of the most of the maps and so it's gonna be tough for us to win in 20 to keep the house in 2022 um and then the senate though the senate mark oh my god the senate it is literally a replay of this year wisconsin pennsylvania Florida, North Carolina. Uh, we're going to have a Georgia. Um, Warnock is the special election. So if if uh, wait one of them, one of the two, I think it's Warnock. It's going to have to run again in in, in yeah. if he wins. Um, at least Arizona is not is not, <laughs> but yeah, it is God. every battleground state all over again, and um, it's going. We have a chance to win and pick up some serious seats it's gonna be so hard and then you have the first midterm of a president you always lose seats i think things are different um do we have to accept that no no of course not of course not i think things are different but um it's gonna be it's gonna be an incredible fight and mark we really all the hundreds of millions of dollars that can't democratic campaigns wasted on tv ads we as a movement, and I, I know Daily Coast, we're, we're really sort of shifting into this. We need to invest in organizations doing the ground, like Stacey Abrams Fair Fight. We need, that's the groups we need to fund. Biden did not win Georgia because of a TV ad or a million dollars. And in fact, Georgia is the only battleground state where Trump spent more on TV than Biden. Because wow. TV ads are useless. And why? Because Stacey Abrams is a powerhouse. And she inspired people to donate to her. That's the model. We need that in South Carolina. We need that in North Carolina. We need that in Mississippi. Texas, we have it. You know, Beto's been working on that. So Texas, I feel, is covered. We need it in Arizona. And Arizona, there's been a lot of disparate organization. We need something that's more sort of centralized hub of that. Uh, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked to, in, in, my, in my YouTube show, uh, Daily Coast is the brief. We talked to a Navajo Nation organizer in Arizona, right. and if you look at the map, the you know the the map of the of where the Biden vote is and where the Trump vote is, and you overlay that with Indian country in Arizona, it is one to one. It is literally the same map. It was the it was the American Indian community in Arizona that delivered Arizona. Now, of course. We made gains in the suburbs, white suburban women, all that stuff is real. Latinos voted more right. But Navajo Nation and, and other Indian groups delivered that victory for for uh, for Joe Biden. They didn't get a dime from the Democratic Party. They didn't get a dime from the Biden campaign. They didn't get a dime for anybody. You know where they got funded? Daily Coast. Daily Coast sent them $300,000, which is a pittance. When you're talking about the billions of dollars spent. And so we sent them $300,000. Then I think they raised another... 50, 75,000 from Crooked Media. They did a fundraiser for them. They raised another $75,000 from a local indivisible chapter in San Francisco. 
they use that to be able to get out the vote and hire you know, 30 organizers that all they did is get out the vote. That's money that actually legitimately translates to votes. Yeah. And not just that one time, but you build that, 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 um, that, uh, habit of voting. People are going to vote. So I, I really want to see us as a movement really focused. And I wish like Obama would, you know, would work on that or Michelle Obama. Um, Get away from just donating money to, for TV ads that really don't do anything. I mean, I know some people, oh, we saw this great ad on Twitter. No, nobody gives a damn. The ads do not change people's minds. How do we get more people to vote? Right, right. And that takes on the ground organizing. It's the only way. And I'm sure the TV market in Georgia is already oversaturated. If they never, people never saw another ad, it wouldn't make a difference. That's not no. the people. The people who see in the TV ads now, we got, they're where they are. You're mm-hmm. right. You got to mobilize to get people out to vote. Marcos Melitzis with us, folks. Thursday Coast. Check out dailycoast.com uh, every day. Slash GOTV. Slash GOTV. That's right. And slash GOTV. So you can get involved, ladies and gentlemen, in what's going on down in Georgia and be helpful, not just be spectators. Please, man. Please, sir. Thank you, Marcos. Thank you. Please be safe. Wear your mask. Socially distanced. Yeah. Or your mask folks. Let's all stay alive. <laughs> and, and and vote your ass off if you're in Georgia. Do that too. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.